0: with me if you will the gospel of Matthew chapter number 24 to all of our guests I want to say that we are so thankful that you are here extremely excited that you've come to the house of the Lord and our online audience we certainly are thankful that you're joining in as well and uh, we're so glad that you're here can you make all of our guests welcome to Bethlehem Church tonight amen God bless you wherever you're from we're so glad you're here and we have We have some refreshments for all of our guests. We would love for you to join us for meet and greet following service. If you go through the vestibule past the restrooms, the prayer room is the large room through those double doors. And the last door on the right, you won't be able to miss it. We've got some refreshments, and we'd love to spend a little bit of time with you after service tonight. Remember, Wednesday night, Brother Kanyez, brand-new appointed missionary to Mexico, doing a great work. They have gone into prisons and seen hundreds and hundreds get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. It's going to be a great night on Wednesday night. You won't want to miss that on Wednesday evening, 715. Matthew 24 and 3, if you found it, say amen. And then we'll read from verse number 6 through verse number 8. Matthew 24 and 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world those are two very actually three very important questions isn't it when shall these things be what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world Jesus talks to them throughout Matthew 24 of several signs of the end time. Verse six, he says, "And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Anybody, Does that sound familiar to anybody? And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Read these next six words with me. See? That ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. That word divers means diverse or different places. One guy was trying to explain this verse and he said there was going to be mountains under the oceans because it was diverse places. I didn't make it up. Somebody really said that. It wasn't me. Praise the Lord. All these are the beginning of sorrows. He sat with his disciples. They came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? I want to preach for a little while tonight on the subject. You are here. Anybody ever go to a mall, also known as purgatory? I mean, a mall. And you don't know where. You know, I'm a man, so I I, I go on a mission. I got something in mind. I don't go to walk around and browse and look around. If I go, I got something I want to buy. I want to get it. And I want to leave. And so you go in one of those places and you you don't know where your store is. And so what do you do? You go to the sign that says, you are here. And then it helps you orient with what's going on around you. Helps you find where you're supposed to be in that particular environment. So I want to preach tonight, you are here. God, I pray for your anointing. Help me to preach under the power of your spirit. Help me, God to be anointed of the Holy Ghost. I ask you, Lord, anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Confirm your word with signs following. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost be manifested in this place tonight. Bring sinners to repentance. Let somebody be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, God, fill us all with the Holy Ghost one more time tonight. God, I pray for a work of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great praise tonight and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The Bible teaches about a seven year tribulation period that will signify the culmination of this particular age. The most significant event around this tribulation period is the rapture or the catching away of the church. Those who are born again the Bible way and living a holy life will be what religious term is called raptured or caught away, carried away by the Lord. Two verses written by the Apostle Paul are our most commonly referred to passages about this great event. He writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He means we're not all going to die. Somebody's going to be alive when the Lord comes back. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What a promise. Amen. I remember when I was growing up, my pastor used to say, if a, if a preacher preaches about the coming of the Lord and it inspires fear instead of hope, then it's time to go to the altar and get stuff right with God. My pastor always told me, he, he always told our church that the coming of the Lord is for some a promise and for others a threat. But I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord. I really wish it would be tonight. And then onward in 1 Thessalonians 4 15 through 18, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. Oh, hallelujah. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. To a saint of God, to a child of God, the thought of him coming back is a promise. It's a comfort to my spirit. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm, I, there, are three, there are three prevailing theories among Pentecostals about the end time rapture of the church. There is the view of what is called pre-tribulation rapture, that the church will be taken out before this seven year tribulation period. There is what's called mid-tribulation. That is that the church will be taken out somewhere around the midpoint, the three-and-a-half-year mark of that tribulation period. And then finally, there is post-tribulation rapture. This view teaches that God will preserve his church throughout the full tribulation period. Everybody, there's people in all these different camps, people that I love and respect have all three of these different views my personal view though i don't claim to be an expert and i don't claim to know for sure but my personal view out of these is is that i what i call the pre-wrath rapture of the church that means that i believe that the lord could return any moment from right now until the midpoint of the rapture when he begins to pour wrath upon this world because the Bible said that he did not appoint us unto wrath. And so that's my personal view. That means that, that, that in my opinion, the Lord could come back from right now. He, could, he don't have to wait not one more day. He can come right now if he wants to. Here is what I do feel, and this is what I do think I know for sure. Don't you like how I, the way I said that, what I think I know? amen here's what i think i know if you don't have enough backbone and holy ghost to survive it you don't have enough backbone and holy ghost to go in the rapture no matter when it happens and so what i got to do is i got to be ready at all times i got to be ready Amen. I got to have my mind made up. I got to have my heart fixed. I got to be ready. I'm not turning back. I'm not going back to this world. I'm not going back to this world. I have my mind made up. I'm going to live for God. Anybody else feel that way tonight? Anybody got a made up mind? I'm planning on making it. No matter when he comes back, I'm planning on making it to heaven. This is most certainly a dangerous time in the world i mentioned maybe this morning that i got a, a call from one of our middle east missionaries from an anonymous number they are using they're using apps that uh, that that give them more security because that's how fearful they are about what's happening in that part of the world right now and so i got a call from one of our missionaries and and this is a dangerous time in the world. If you're, if you're paying attention at all to what's going on in the world, this is a very dangerous time. Russia is in its second year of this war with Ukraine that shows signs that it could possibly spill over into the rest of Europe. China has been sounding war drums in its conflict with Taiwan, which we as a country are sworn to protect them. Of course, the events of the last week in the Middle East has drawn the attention of the world. Anytime that something happens with Israel, people of faith need to take notice and perk their ears up a little bit. Amen. Not only is Israel at war with Hamas, but they have carried out strikes into Syria and Lebanon to limit the firing of missiles from those countries into Israel. The wider Muslim world are aligning themselves alongside Hamas, Iran, Hezbollah, etc., have called for a global jihad, what they call a holy war against Israel and her allies. Brothers and sisters, we are living in dangerous times in the world. Amen. Now, now I want to say this because I, I, I try my best not to preach headline preaching because the, the problem is a headline today could be old news tomorrow. And I've seen some people stand in pulpits and say emphatically, this is this and this is that, only to have to eat their words. And then the next time something popped up, they said, this is this and this is that. So I'm not saying this is this or that. Brother Patton, good to see you tonight. But we are living in dangerous times. I will tell you honestly that I do not know if what's going on right now is truly the end time culmination of the world as we know it or not. Ever since the establishment of the nation of Israel in May of 1948. There has been tension and flare-ups and wars and things of that nature. I don't know if this is the final event leading to Armageddon or not, but I do know that someday it will be the one. It may not be this one, but someday it will be the one. And Jesus said this in Matthew 24 and 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Brothers and sisters, you just got to be ready. No matter when he comes, you got to be ready. If Israel's in the headlines or not, you got to be ready. If there's bombs being fired into the Holy Land, you got to be ready. He said be ready for you don't know the hour that the Lord comes. And so in one sense, it doesn't matter if this is the end or not. We just got to be ready. I got to get all the stuff out of my life that I got to get out and I got to get everything in that I need to get in. Amen. We got to be ready regardless of when he comes. And so the other day, I had board meetings earlier this week, and uh, we, were, we were dealing with some issues regarding missions and, and, uh, and, and our, our organizational business that we have to take care of. And while I was on my way home, I got a text from a family member, and I want to I wanna read to you some portions of that interaction that, uh, that, that we had. And here is what my family member texted to me. They said, quote, I'm not going to lie. I've had a big issue with the whole timing of the rapture and the possibility of God's people suffering. I told, and I'm just going to insert the term my husband because I don't want to give away which family member it might be, a while back that his rapture belief blew up my whole Christian worldview. I remember being taught that we go to church, love, serve, worship God, believe in his Godhead, be baptized in Jesus' name, and then one day the trumpet will sound and we'll all be taken to heaven. But now I find out that we might be here to see some things and experience some things that all my life I believed that I would never have to go through. I put it out of my mind all this time until this issue with Israel and Palestine. Her husband, a minister, has a view that that, that challenges what she always thought. And I think if we're being honest, some of us have all had these thoughts at one point or another. We look at what's going on in the world and we, and we wonder. But may, maybe I can just say tonight that, uh, that, that though she's having difficulty and fear and anxiety about the things that are going on in the world right now, and I certainly understand that, know this, I'm not a politician, I'm not an economist, I'm not called to international relations in regard to geopolitical situations. I was with two pastor friends earlier this week and we were going to grab a bite to eat. And I told them, they asked me what I thought about all the stuff going on in the world. And I told them, I'm not excited about war and I'm not happy about suffering and death and terror. But I said, my job is to have revival. My job is to reach people. And the church's mission is to have revival. We are not a political faction. We are not an arm of a political party. Our calling is to reach this world, reach everybody in this world, reach the rich and the poor, the educated, the uneducated, reach the messed up and the ones that look like they have it all together. And while I'm dismayed about the suffering going on in the world, I realize my scriptural sensibilities tell me that the worse it gets in the world, the better that we ought to have revival. It's time for us not to shrink away at this hour. It's not time for the church to slack up in this day and hour. This is our time to rise up and be the church in this age. Amen. I got a lot I want to say. You know, you, I, I, I preach my sermons and I, and I know how many pages I have and I preach long enough to understand how that relates to time. And so I got to hurry. But while I'm dismayed about what's going on in the world, my scriptural sensibilities, my understanding of the Bible tells me that there are two things that will happen the closer we get to the end of this world. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Also the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 12. I'm sorry, chapter 24 and verse 12 says, and because iniquity shall abound The love of many shall wax cold. Take these two verses into context with each other. And we find out that one of the signs of the coming of the end is one that there will be a great falling away, and the love of many shall wax cold. Brothers and sisters, I will tell you that our world has seen a rejection of Christianity and truth. How plain do you want me to preach it tonight? Because I might, I might upset some people and we might get a little Facebook ban here in just one minute. But the LBGTQ movement has made a mockery of God's creative law when children are being given gender identity surgery at 10 years old. This world has chosen sin over God. Can I preach to you a little bit? This world, there's been a great falling away. Christian organizations that used to stand for something are now falling for everything. We're watching a falling away. Can I get an amen? amen. But let's not thump our Bibles as hypocrites tonight. Fornication is fornication, whether it be heterosexual or homosexual, sin is sin adultery fornication pornography drunkenness hatred the works of the flesh are affronts to a holy god and it's happening in religion all across this country it's happening in so-called christian movements all over this country ordaining people that are stuck in perversion that need to repent not get a preacher license But again let's not thump our bibles as hypocrites because around this world and all across this country a lot of pentecostals have abandoned holiness and faithfulness and service and giving for carnality and worldliness and sin so let's not act like we're above having a waxing of our own kind right here in bethlehem i've watched people that used to be on fire that can't get off the pew anymore i watched people that used to talk in tongues in the altar that never pray anymore. Let's not act like it's only happening out there. Let's realize in this room, we have a falling away and we need to be stirred up tonight. Can I lovingly but firmly say that people in this very congregation who have been taught what the Bible teaches, what holiness is and what we believe, who just casually do whatever they want anyway, It's a sign that the love of many has waxed cold. When you know what your spiritual leaders and elders stand for, but you do what you want to do anyway, end-time prophecy is being fulfilled before your very eyes because Jesus said, when it comes time, the love of many will wax cold. I don't have time to embrace this world. I'm racing the rapture. I don't have time for worldliness and carnality. I'm trying to be ready when he comes. I don't want to be caught unaware when that angel lives the golden trumpet and sounds an eternal blast. I don't want to be so tied to this world that I can't lose my hold on it. I don't want to be a lot's wife looking back to Sodom and Gomorrah because I've embraced something in this world that I should have let go of a long time ago. And so every time we decide not to live for God to our fullest, we are causing biblical prophecy to come to pass. Every time that we lay down a standard to pick up worldliness, we are fulfilling a prophecy that the love of many shall wax cold. Every time we decide we don't want to be faithful and serve God, is this too strong for you or do you have a stomach for straight preaching? Every time we walk away from the scriptural precepts laid out in the word of God, we fulfill end-time prophecy. Because Jesus said that at that time, the love of many shall wax cold. It's a sign. There's a great falling away happening in our time. God is seeing who really wants to serve him and who's just playing games. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. But may I tell you my response to my family member who was so shaken up by what's going on in the world. They're having trouble reconciling mercy and grace with the events that are going on in the world right now. Here's what I responded and here's what I believe. Quote, I believe that in many ways our presence here in this hour is the expression of God's love and grace to the world. We are chosen by God to be participants in the greatest harvest of all time and the suffering whatever it may not whatever it may be is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in this hour brothers and sisters i'm not telling you to foolishly ignore what's going on the craziness in our world i'm not saying that we should not be mindful and diligent regarding our circumstances but what i am saying is that god's this is god's church and we are god's people and we're here for a purpose at this point in history you are here look at somebody tell them you are here You're here by the design of God. You're here by the purpose of God. If you were not made for this moment, you would not be alive in this moment. But God has you here right now because he knows you have what it takes to have the kind of revival that this world needs right now. You're here. Oh, I wish somebody'd praise God. I'm starting to feel my preacher coming on me right now. God's people have a purpose at this critical juncture in history. In, perilous, in the perilous times of Israel in Persia, facing total annihilation, Esther's uncle Mordecai reminded her that God had brought her into the kingdom, quote, for such a time as this. Esther, you were made for this moment. Esther... You were born for this time in history. I was with my, I was with Ellie and Eli at a shopping center a few weeks ago. And, uh, and, and we were looking for a particular place. Ellie had a particular place she was trying to go. And we, we, I had a, I had it on the GPS and we're walking through this outdoor mall thing and, uh, and, and, and. It says we're supposed to be there, but I just don't see it. And so I look and I see one of those you are here things. And we were 50, maybe 50 yards, maybe, maybe 50 feet from the door of that thing. It was right there. But until I realized my location in relation to where I was trying to go, it didn't matter how close I was to it. I wasn't finding what I needed and so I had to realize where I was in relation to what was going on around me so I could get where I'm supposed to go. Brothers and sisters, you are here. It doesn't change. You can could, you could hope. You could wish that it was an easier time. You could wish that we were at another point in history. You could wish that we were in an easier generation, but that won't change one thing. We're here and we're here for a reason. We can't, all the wishing that we could go back to wagons and carriages and, and, and all that kind of stuff, all the wishing wouldn't make it happen. We're here right now and we can't change it. We're here right now and we can't make Hamas quit throwing rockets and we can't make Israel quit responding. We can't change what governments do But we're here, and we're here for a reason. My message to this church is we better be about our Father's business right now. Amen. We better be on fire. We better be busy. We better be on on point with God. This is our moment. This is our time. You're here, and you can't change it. All the wishing and pining and worrying and fretting won't change one single part of it. We're here at this point in history because God and his divine plan knew that you were the person that he needed in 2023 to bring revival to this area. You're called, chosen, anointed. You are God's people. You may have a bad past. You may feel like you're not good. You may feel like you can't do it, but God thinks you can do it. That's why you're here. Oh, I wish somebody just waved their hand to heaven. I wish somebody that came in here feeling useless would realize that you're not useless. That's why you're here. Regardless of what happens with Israel, Hamas, America, Russia, China, the Middle East, or any other location, we cannot change where we are in history. If this is the end or if it's not, we're still here. If this is the time that God has chosen, we're here. If these are truly the last few days of the world as we know it, we're here. I could be overwhelmed with worry, dread, or anxiety. I could shut down, crawl into an emotional cave, and become frozen by fear. But here we are. All the wishing for a simpler era will not change one little bit of it. We're here, and it's my belief that we are here for a reason. If you didn't have it in you to be the church that God needs at this time in history, you wouldn't be here. Somebody says, I'm here. here. Somebody needs to say, I am here." here. But if you're going to be part of God's great revival, you're going to have to get some stuff under control in your life. Let your pastor preach to you a little bit there's a great storm that has gathered over this world I was supposed to be leaving I was supposed to be in Beirut in about three and a half weeks I think I'm canceling there's a great storm that's settled over this world it didn't just start now the last several years things have been falling in place restructuring of societal mores and just restructuring of societal expectations the lowering of, of expectations from government and the dropping of standards of what is excellent leadership all of these things that have happened the world over are part of a great storm that has settled over our world throughout the scriptures you can find what sailors often did when they were called to sail their ships through storms In the book of Jonah, as was referenced earlier tonight, over 2,700 years ago, the ancient seafarers knew what to do when storms come. Jonah 1 and 5, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. Notice what these sailors did. We're in a storm, and the storm's beyond our control. The Bible said they were afraid, and they cried every man to his God first. And second, they cast everything in the ship that didn't need to be there overboard into the water because everybody knows that you can't carry dead weight when you're going through a storm. Amen. Let me go a little bit further. Acts 27 and 18 Now they're in a great wind, a great storm. And the Bible said in verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. They took some stuff. We can live without this. We can live without this. We can live with, we don't need that. And we don't need that. And they threw it. The only thing they really left on board was the tackle of the ship and the, the food that was on board. But the storm kept getting worse. And in, in just 20 verses later, in verse 38 of Acts 27, "And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the, wheat, the wheat into the sea. From the dawn of Oce- are you still with me? From the dawn of oceanic travel, sailors have known that to survive a storm, you must cast off unnecessary burdens. likewise for the church to survive turbulent storms in our age we cannot be encumbered by unnecessary weights and sins that make it hard to navigate in the sea of life oh you're not shouting now maybe you will after i get done some of you get stirred up and tighten up your lives in holiness and prayer and faithfulness only to cool off and pick up the same stuff that you had cast off when you were on fire. But now that the fire's not as hot, you pick up the carnal, worldly habits, passions, pursuits, and dress. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm preaching good now. I can preach all by myself now. If you're going to survive the storm, you have to lighten your ship. you got to cast off some stuff. You're not going to make it if you carry carnality and worldliness and sin in your life. You can't make it if you carry bitterness and hatred and strife. You can't carry it if you carry adultery and fornication and pornography. Oh, I'm preaching right now. I'm telling you, you got to cast off unnecessary weights if you're going to survive. Every sailor knows. That the only way to survive a storm is you got to get rid of stuff that weighs you down. You can't be a yo-yo. Up and down, up and down, up and down. You can't be a roller coaster Christian. you got to lighten your boat. This is not an age for laxity. Did I lose you all there? Is that... It's not a time for worldliness. I'm going to tell you, when terrorists are firing bombs at Israel, it's not a time to get worldly and cold. This is the greatest moment the church has ever had. We're here. It's our time. It's It's revival time. It's time to reach them. It's time to pull them out of the fire while we can. It's time. I'm telling you, I feel what I'm preaching right now. This is our moment. This is our time. This is our hour. You got to rise. You got to shine. You got to be the light. You got to cast off. You got to cast off. You won't survive storms if you carry unnecessary weight. It's the greatest moment we've ever had. Romans 13, 11, and 12. I'm getting closer to done. And that knowing the time, everybody say, knowing the time. time. Come on, say it out loud. Knowing the time. time. That now, everybody shout now. Now. Shout now as loud as you can. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now is our time. This is our moment. This is our moment. This is our moment to fill up our Sunday school. This is our moment to fill up our youth group. This is our moment to fill up our men's and ladies groups. This is the moment to fill our life groups. This is the moment to fill the prayer room. This is our moment. We're here. We are here. I wish you'd look at somebody and tell them, we're here for a reason. Oh, lift your hands to heaven. I feel what I'm preaching right now. I feel a wave of the Holy Ghost stirring some people up in here, right? You got to have your own personal revival. Woo! Did you feel that shift in the atmosphere? There's a calling of God in this place, right? He's calling us to a higher level. He's calling us to a higher place. This is our moment. Hey, you're the most... Oh, God. And now, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. So what am I supposed to do? The night, the next verse, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Remember what I just preached? You can't survive a storm carrying unnecessary weight. Now it's put in context of the coming of the Lord. It's put in context of salvation. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's time for somebody to get to the edge of their cruise ship and start throwing stuff overboard. I'm throwing hatred. I'm throwing it out of my heart. I'm throwing bitterness out of my heart. I'm throwing jealousy out of my heart. I'm throwing lying out of my heart. I'm throwing lust out of my heart. It's time for me to cast off everything. This is time. I'm here. This is my moment. This is my time. I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready. You know what the worst? You know what the worst thing about the rich man in hell was? In my opinion, that he knew how close he was. To being able to escape it, and so he, he 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 asked, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, the man that was right at my gate all the time. Send him to my brothers, to tell them. Send him. If you die and go to hell out of this church, you know what's going to be the worst thing is replaying messages like this one in your mind for eternity and realizing how close you were to being able to get that stuff out. The voice of this preacher will haunt somebody. I should have cast that stuff out of my life. I should have cast that stuff out of my life. I should have got it out of my spirit and I didn't do it. I walked out. I had to go eat Mexican that night. I had to get home. I had all kinds of stuff on my mind. And I should have cast it overboard. The night is far spent. We're running out of time. You are here. I'm not fearful of the times. If I'm being honest, I'm a little bit excited because every time the world is plunged into turmoil, people wake up and seek God. One of the greatest years we ever had was after COVID when this community decided I got to get right with God and they started flooding into church and we started baptizing people. Can I tell you right now, it's revival time, but you can't do it by sitting there wringing your hands with your with your neighbors and your coworkers and your lost friend and saying, I don't know what we're going to do. It's all so bad. You got to tell them, I got the answer. I got the Holy Ghost and I'm not afraid. I know God's with me one way or the other. I'm going to be all, you're the answer to what they need. You are the solution. That's why you're here. These are perilous times, but they're not hopeless times. You were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. 2 Timothy 3 and 1, Paul wrote to his understudy and said this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. As many, of, as, you have, as many of you have also seen, I've seen videos. I remember, and I mentioned it maybe a couple of weeks ago, I remember the first time I went on a missions trip, I went to Ethiopia right on the heels of one of the greatest famines that the world has ever seen. And the most alarming thing to me was right before we stepped out of the airport, and I know I mentioned this just, just maybe last Sunday, I don't remember, but I, one of the most alarming things, Brother Patton, was before we walked out of the airport, The Teclamarian got our group together, and he says, he said, brothers, you must keep your money in your pocket. He said, you have to be here 10 days, and you will want to give everything away in the next two minutes, and then we walked out those doors, and there's a 10-foot high chain link fence, and as far as you can see into the night, starving people are looking with deep-set, forlorn eyes at you, reaching their their emaciated arms and hands through the chain links, trying to get you to give them something. And you cannot hardly bear, you cannot hardly bear walking away. I've seen videos of trucks full of food being taken into famine stricken areas and, and 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 people as the truck starts coming by people start running behind that truck and as soon as it stops they mob it just for a little bit of rice a little bit of bread just a little bit of something starving people understanding that what is in the back of that truck is their hope for survival mobs of people pressing as close as they can nearly beyond control trying to get food so they can survive because they are starving and desperate. The food passed out of the back of that truck was their only hope for life. May I tell you tonight, for our community, this church is that truck. And the presence of God is that food. And the word of God is that food. And what we have in here is the only hope for life. Politicians don't have the answer for what's going on in the world. Bombs are not the answer for what's going on in the world. What we desperately need is God to shake this world with one final move of revival if we really understood the value and necessity of what happens in this church every time we get together, the way we approach worship would be the way a starving man walks up to a food truck. You are here at this point in history for a reason. You are here. You can wish for another time. But that's a waste of energy. You can wish it was an easier time, but that's a waste. You are here. This is the most exciting time in history because it's God's appointed time. Brothers and sisters, you are the hope of the world, you are the answer for your lost family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your teachers, your students. You are the answer for what this world needs. You're here because you were designed to be here. God makes no mistakes. Now is not the time to let up But it's time to tighten up. I've been feeling a call from God. I've been feeling a call from God to lighten our ship. I've been feeling a call from God. I told somebody in my office, I've been feeling that God's calling us to tighten up some stuff. I feel the spirit of God telling his church, this is your moment, this is your time. But you gotta get, you gotta position yourself for what I'm wanting to do through you. You've gotta align yourself with my purpose, and you've gotta align myself with my plan. And you must embrace all that I'm calling you to do and calling you to be. For I will anoint you with the power that you've never seen before. And I will give you grace and mercy to walk in places that you have not yet trod. But I will be with you, but you must lighten your ship and you must embrace what I'm calling you to be. This is your moment and this is your time and this is your hour. And I have chosen you and called you for this moment in history. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for your eyes will see see things that other generations have only dreamed about and your hands will work miracles that others have only hoped for you are the ones i have chosen for this time in history and you are the ones that i have called for this moment you are here by my design somebody say praise the lord If you receive it, I want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands. There was a word of prophecy over this church and over everyone that's listening. This is your time.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: Oh, God, I feel feel it in the Holy Ghost. I feel it in my spirit. I feel a call to prayer coming on this church. There's there's an anointing of intercession that's starting to fall in this place. You need to give yourself over. You're gonna birth some stuff in prayer in these next few moments that you've only dreamed of saying. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Lord. Oh, God, some of you, you feel it. There's a birthing of intercessory prayer. You need to open your mouth and just let it out. God is anointing you to speak things in the spirit right now. God is anointing your mind and your mouth to speak things. We're not operating by fear in this hour. We're operating by faith. (laughs) Go for it. why don't you link up with somebody close to you and pray one for another? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. We need each other. Why don't you cast some stuff overboard tonight? Why don't you throw off some stuff tonight? Settle some issues and don't let them keep popping back up over and over. This is what I'm gonna do and this is how I am. Let's pray. Oh God, let me purge my spirit from the works of this life, from the works of the flesh. Oh God, let me cast off the works of darkness. Oh
1: Jesus.
0: That's right. Link up with somebody and pray. This is the greatest moment. Oh, thank you, God. I'm going to tell you, you can make it. You can make it. You can make it. You got what it takes. It's in you. You can do it.
1: Oh, God. Oh, God. I got to be
0: ready. I got to be ready. I got to be ready. I got to be ready, Lord. Oh. Yes.
1: forgive me Lord hide all my sins I must be saved for him. Jesus paid such an awesome price for our salvation. Sometimes we wait on the miraculous and say, if God will do something miraculous for me, then I'll know he's talking to me. But Pastor V was talking about that rich man in hell that said, Abraham, if you just send Lazarus back from the dead, that'll be such a miraculous thing that my brothers would be saved. Abraham told him these words. They have Moses and the prophets. If they won't hear them, neither will they hear one who come back from the dead. We're so anxious for something so miraculous that stirs us up momentarily to change. But then after the miraculous has slipped away, me tell you, the Word of God will still be there. When we don't see the dead coming back to life, the Word of God is still there and it's still alive and it's still real. There comes a time when we must just do what the Word says. If you're here tonight and you're waiting on some kind of special sign for God that He's dealing with you, I want you to know that 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 may never come but what we do have and what has come is this man of God has poured his heart out to you with the word of God to tell you what you need to do to get ready tonight if you've not repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus name and filled with the holy ghost my question for you what is you what are you waiting for now's the day of salvation now is the accepted time. I must be saved. Does anybody feel that way tonight? I must be saved. I, I can't put this off any longer. I've got to empty the boat of the junk that I don't need. I, I, can't, I can't put it off any further. I don't, I don't need you to send somebody back from the dead, Lord. You came back from the dead, and you're alive forevermore, and you're all that I need, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the Word. Let's lift our hands together right now and thank the Lord for His precious Word. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, I must be saved. Yes, I must be saved. Oh, I must be saved. Oh, Jesus, save. blood, I must be saved. For you. Thank you, Lord. There's somebody here tonight that God's been dealing with you about being baptized. In the name of Jesus, I want to urge you right now, don't put it off. Don't say, well, I'll wait to the next service because we're living in that moment when Jesus could come back. The trumpet could sound before we even get home tonight. And if you're here and you haven't been buried in the name of Jesus in water baptism, the water's ready, the ministry's ready, God is ready. He's just waiting on you. Maybe you just slip up a hand wherever you are and say, I want to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, in Jesus' name, just lift a hand. Somebody look around. Amen. You that see a hand up, go to that person. Talk to them. But whatever you need from God, how many of you know he's here to do it for you tonight? In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. One more time, let's sing it. I must be saved. Yes I must be saved. Oh I must be saved. Oh Jesus save. Forgive me, Lord. Oh cleanse all of my sin. lift our hands to the Lord and thank him for the good word of the Lord tonight. God, we thank you, Jesus, for our man of God that you have sent, Lord, to preach to us his heart. Oh, God, let us not take it for granted, Lord, but let us cling to this word as we walk out of this place holy and cleansed looking for that glorious day when the trump of God shall sound. Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and praise him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We also want to just, if you would all stand with me this evening, we want to say a special prayer for Brother Robbie Yates, who's having surgery tomorrow in Oxford, that the Lord would work a miracle. How many of you know God can still heal cancer? Amen. That's nothing to God. He can take care of it just like this. So we're going to bind together and pray that the Lord would touch and bring him through this situation and heal him of the cancer in Jesus' name. Lift your hands with me. Let's pray together. Father, you said where any two of you agree as touching anything that you should ask of the Father, that you would give it to us. We ask you to be with Robbie Yates and heal his body. We ask you, Lord, to let the healing virtue flow into him. Doctors can only do so much, but you are the great physician, and we ask you to touch and heal him for your glory, bringing him through this victorious, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." Praise the Lord. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Let's go and serve the Lord in Jesus.